My name is John. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here, and I'm excited. I am amped up. Give a, just give a praise that, to say thank you to our worship teams. How they, how they serve to create moments of worship, our production team, our volunteers, are all around the building that come together to give of themselves their time, talents, and treasures to create moments where we come together to worship an all-powerful God. We are in week two of our Torn series. I'm jumping right in. I ain't got time to lose. I ain't got time to waste. Week two, Torn. We're all torn a little bit, right? <laughs> we got lots of things pulling us in different directions. Jesus was torn. Jesus came to, to a torn earth, right? A torn world where, just a little historical context, the Jews uh, were in a Roman-occupied Jerusalem. They were torn, war-torn, tumbling, rocks all around. Like, what? This is not the Jerusalem. I, I thought we were going to be redeemed and saved, and we were God's chosen people, but now we're under oppression, an oppressive rule. They were torn on how they should live in a world versus fight against it. The leaders were torn in how God, uh, uh, how he would send a Messiah. And, and in the middle of all that, Jesus w w was stepping into this moment, and he was looking ahead to a cross, to Golgotha, looking ahead to how he would tear down a temple, how he would tear down the barrier of religion and restore relationship between God and all people. And every moment in Jesus' final week was a reminder of a torn physical and spiritual reality of the world. And you don't need me to remind you that we live in a torn world. We are torn in our families, torn between politics, torn between communities, between races, torn between who is the best Batman. I got, I, I'm really torn. I'm really, you know, I'm a Batman man. Like, I'm, I'm really torn. I only picked these four because, you know, there's some other ones we don't mention. Uh, but some of y'all are, are like, man, where's my Batman? So maybe Adam West was your Batman. Maybe, like, and, and I, listen, I got to tell you, if Adam West is your Batman, we, there's a conversation between you and Jesus it needs to happen. Or maybe this was your favorite Batman. He's, a, he's one of the best. <laughs> he does have the best voice. He did do the best Batman. Uh, ser ser seriousness, I do love the new Batman, but uh, all of us um, are torn. Just look around what's going around in our lives and in the world. Um, right now, and uh, we're torn, torn between good and evil, right? Um, and, and before we point a finger at evil, uh, good and evil uh, lives in each of us. Uh, there's light and dark in each of us, um, and we're torn every day with which will win out. We may not phrase it like that. We may not think about it like that, but we are torn. Which one will win today? Will I, will I let my light shine in this moment or will I darken 
the moment. This is our battle, whether we admit it or not, that every day that we kind of face, and Jesus knows he, he experienced this torn reality as well. He knows how to actually have harmony. He teaches us how to have harmony in that duality that is in opposition with each other because Jesus' duality of, of God and man, right, God and man, lion and lamb, Alpha and Omega, he is the example of how to bring hope where there is despair within ourselves and in the world around us. And so in these weeks leading up to Easter, we will look at Jesus' life as he navigates his torn duality of emotions leading up to his death and resurrection. And the question that we're going to ask for each of us in this series this week and next week, and next week, is if I'm making the decision for Jesus to be Lord and leader of my life, right? Like, you got to start there. Like, if I'm supposed to model my life after his, then are my emotions aligned with Jesus's emotions? Like, where, or where is there the, the disparity? Where are we torn? Like, am I determined, as David talked about last week, the way that Jesus was determined for the things that Jesus was determined for. Jesus experienced emotions. He experienced anger, joy, heartache, despair, hope. He wept, he laughed, he cried, he suffered. Do, do I, do we handle our emotions <laughs> the way that Jesus handles? Yeah, um, I know I don't. <laughs> so I, I will not speak for you. Uh, like, like when we're emotional... And we're all emotional, some more than others. Uh, don't point. Um, like, do, do we, what do we show people when we are emotional? Who do we point people to when our emotions shine through? Like, like does, does how we handle our emotions show, show the people around us something different, something attractive, something compelling, or does it repel them? Is it unattractive? Why would I want to have anything to do with your God when you act like that? And the, and the emotion that I want us to wrestle with today is one that hits at every home and every doorstep, every IP address. And it just comes in a different wrapper for some folks. But the emotion is anger. We may call it, you know, like, oh, that, uh, that's, I just have, a, I just have a, a little issue with dot, 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 right? But, but underneath the bitterness, underneath the resentment, underneath the, the disappointment, underneath the is unresolved anger. How do we handle our anger? How do you handle your anger? And, 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 and more so, is it righteous anger? Like, like, do the things that angered Jesus anger me, anger you? Like, like uh, di so did Jesus get angry? Yes, 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 yes. Do we get angry? Yes, thank you for that honesty a lot. Uh, what, what made Jesus angry? What, what makes you angry? Like, what makes you angry? Let, let's just have a little heart-to-heart -heart today. What makes you angry? Huh? Huh, next generation, what makes you angry, people? What, what makes you angry, you, you know, like, uh, 
Cincinnatans? What makes you angry? Like the current Reds fire sale that is happening? Like, like it, Vado's next. Like, just, like, just, just, no, nah, he's not. But, you know, like, like what, are we, what are we doing here? Right? Just when I'm starting to, like, all right, I'll follow the Reds. What are you doing? <laughs> what, what makes you angry? Uh, UK, Dave, you know Dave is angry. I sent him a text. You know, he doesn't know why I sent him that text. Because when the Buckeyes lost not that long ago in the football, he sent me a text. He said, uh, well, that other team just outplayed them. Ooh, I was waiting. I've been holding on this for, for weeks, for months, right? UK lost. I was like, well, them peacocks just outplayed them. <laughs> what makes you angry? Some people lost some money. Eh, that make you angry? You had them going so far. We won't talk about that. The Bengals, man, trading, you know, Uzama, Uzama. Yuza ain't on this team anymore. <laughs> like, how'd he go from the Bengals, Super Bowl, to the Jets? J-E-T-L. I mean, seriously? Anyway, I, I'm trying. Like, right? What makes you angry? Gas prices? Lord have mercy. Gas prices. Oh, I just want to take a moment to thank Mark Zuckerberg and the Facebook uh, for writing my sermon for me this week. I thank you for all of those who contributed to all of the social media posts this past week. You gave me all I needed to, to write a message in a week when I'm preparing to talk about being angry. The Facebook and all y'all showed up and showed out. Thank you for this. This is one of the ones I saw that got me. It tickled me. Ha! <laughs> it's getting rough. It's getting hard out there in the streets. It's getting hard, right? This one made me smile, this little light of mine. You know some of y'all, you've been riding the whole week with that light on. You're like, I know I got at least another four miles left. This one hit close to home. Somebody in Cleves must have posted this. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I mean, this one hurt. I was like, ooh, somebody just shot. Like shots have been fired, right? Getting all worked up about gas prices, but you still paying $90 to have somebody deliver your DoorDash. And, and yeah, you just, just keeping it real. <laughs> keeping it real. This one, this one hurt, this, this next one. Reality, perspective. Gas prices absolutely suck right now. They do, absolutely, absolutely. I was talking to my friend uh, who works downtown, helping people uh, who are working on the streets. And, um, and we were talking, like, there is this small percentage, just like less than 1%, that, that the gas prices actually are crippling them. Crippling, crippling. But, but the reality is it's, it's less than 1%. When you compare it to the entire population of people, 
because the rest of us could just tighten the wallet a little bit, uh, think differently on how we, how we drive, how we, how we spend, readjust, reallocate funds, uh, move some things around, um, carpool, uh, get on a bike. Uh, do, you know, like there's plenty of options that so many of us have to like, but instead like we're just like losing our minds and pointing fingers and just like, like and, and, it, and it's not gas prices. It's again, it's that thing that's underneath inside that is like making us go crazy, right? But it's right now, it's just easy to point it towards gas prices, right? And like, and I didn't know that there was a new Avengers movie that came out. I didn't know that because I'm seeing so many people just hawk out, right? Just watching people hawk out, turning green right now over gas prices, right? And like the veins just like, like, and like, and it was like, really? It's that bad? Like, and I'm watching like, like conversations and relationships, like just like how, how was work today, baby? Gas prices! Like, hey, hey, guess what? Uh, the, our son just got straight A's this quarter. Gas prices! Like, oh, baby, what, 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 what would you like to eat tonight? Gas prices! Maybe you should talk to somebody. Gas prices! Um, maybe we don't, should not talk about that. Maybe we need to think about whether or not we should be married because of your anger. Gas Hey, man. Um, how come your kids are afraid to come and talk to you? How'd you, how'd you end up alone? How, how'd you end up locked up? How, how'd you end up divorced? How'd you end up, how'd you, how'd you end up crawled up in a bottle? How'd you, oh, anger. Gas prices. Anger. How'd, how'd you get there? Oh, unresolved anger. Anger. You can wrap it up in gas prices, politics, uh, youth sports, your job, your neighbor. But here's the deal. Anything that actually isn't righteous anger will slowly destroy you and everything around you from the inside out. See, Ephesians 4, 26, it says, don't let, you know, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to who? The devil, the original Greek for the word foothold is to pass. It means a location or a home. When we allow anger in, we are inviting the devil to make a home in our hearts and in our minds. And over time, the enemy, the devil, turns that anger into darkness and bitterness and hate. And we are slowly consumed. Oh, you don't believe me? Oh, okay, cool. Uh, talk to the spouse who's been married to the one consumed with anger. No, she didn't actually hit the doorknob in her eye that many times. Talk to the kids who grew up in the household with parents consumed 
by anger. Talk to the teachers and counselors and pastors who are now left to pick up the pieces of the shattered lives destroyed by anger. My dear brothers and sisters, take note. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, there is an anger, not a human anger, but an anger that produces righteousness, a godly, righteous anger that, that actually uh, it propels us then to godly action. It propels us not to destruction, but propels us to be change agents for hope and healing in a broken world. And so I'll ask you again, what makes you angry? Does what makes, uh, what make Jesus angry, does that make you angry? See, there's a lot of us that are torn even about anger. And right now you're like, should I be angry about this? <laughs> and and this, is, this is where Jesus, he shows us something different. Praise God for, for God's word. Like there's a story in the Bible that takes place uh, in the final week of Jesus' life uh, prior to his death and resurrection. It's in Mark 11, and we get a peek into a different type of anger. Mark 11, 11, uh, it says this, it says, so Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. And after looking around carefully at everything, remember that, <laughs> he left because it was late in the afternoon. And then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. And so this happens on a Sunday of what a lot of people will call Holy Week. All right. He shows up to the temple uh, on Sunday. Uh, this is the week leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. Um, this, is, this is a week uh, that also happens to be uh, the week of Passover festival, all right, you know, where Jewish people from all over the Roman world, like just millions of people just gathering together in Jerusalem during this week-long celebration to remember when the nation of Israel escaped Egypt. All right, and so they come together and they just celebrate, and it's this week-long celebration. Those of you that, that went out to, to L.A. for the Super Bowl, like, thank you, praise God, for going out and, and celebrating. Um, and thank you for the gifts you brought back. That was cool. Uh, but the Super Bowl week, right? Think, think about that, right? Um, people from all over the world gathering together in one concentrated area, you know, and parties and food trucks and, and celebrations and vendors, you know, uh, selling like all the crap you can, you know, just to make a buck, you know, huge moment for tourism and, and, and profit. This is kind of like the same scene that Jesus steps into in the Passover week in Jerusalem. It, it Jesus steps into this moment when all is going on, all these people, all these vendors, all the stuff from all over the Roman world, and he looks around. Okay. Oh. All right. I'm a, so this is how you do. Oh, okay. He looks around at everything. So this is how you worship. Oh, okay. This is how. All right. And then he, he realizes, he looks, he looks at, his, at, his, at his Apple Watch, and then he's like, oh, it's late. It's late. Um, you know what? I'm not going to do this right now. <laughs> I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to be uh, 
slow to, to speak. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back uh, to Bethany with my boys. It, I, I have a big week ahead of me. All right, I'm not going to do this right now. My boys are hungry. Let's go get them some La Rosa's and, and let's go take a nap. Okay. So he goes to Bethany. He comes back on Monday. And on Monday, well-rested and belly full, Jesus and his disciples show back up to the temple. And it's back in full swing, full operation, vendors wall to wall. Doing their thing, Super Bowl week, festival week, and this is what happens. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He stopped everyone from doing something that they shouldn't have been doing, using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple should be called a house of prayer for all nations but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And when the leading priests and teachers of religious law, the religious folk, when they heard what Jesus had done, they began planning on how to kill this man. So, a couple of questions and observations from this text. And those close to me told me I got to keep myself under control today as I talk about anger. I said, okay. What made Jesus angry about all this? Right, we got to start there, right? Like what made Jesus angry? Why is he flipping tables? There's another time, this isn't the first time that he did this, right? Earlier, earlier in his ministry, he stepped in and he did it. And I almost did this too, but I thought I'd get fired. Uh, Jesus stepped in and he grabbed some rope and made a, a whip out of it and started whipping people out of the temple, clearing it out. And I thought, ooh, I'll do that, right? I could do, I could do a braided cord right here and I'll just start whipping. And then I was like, and then it'll slip out of my hand and it'll hit somebody in the eye and, you know, and, the, and, and poor Claude will sue me and then like, I'll be done. Like, all right, all right, no whip. Don't do it, John. Oh, I could flip the pulpit, right? Yeah, I could be like dramatic and that, you know, then you'd get to critique like, why are you so dramatic being the, you know, like I was like, stay in your pocket. What made Jesus so angry about all this? It's not that, that the people were buying and selling animals for sacrifice, all right? That, that's not it. That was a normal practice, in Jesus' day and how, like, you would, you would enter into the temple to worship God. You know, and, and, and that, was a, that was a Jesus thing in Jesus' day. And just so we're really clear, because we encourage you to be more like Jesus, and we encourage you to do Jesus' things, I am not encouraging you to bring your cows and your donkeys in here to slaughter them and worship God, all right? Just know that. Uh, if you want to bring an offering, that's cool. Get on the app. Uh, be generous. Uh, there's boxes in the back. You can do that. Don't bring me your cats, okay? That is not how we worship in this day and age, you crazy cat people. Uh, see, in Jesus' day, uh, you know, in this week, especially with Passover, like, if you wanted to worship God and, and go into the temple, you, you would have to, one, pay a temple, temple tax, and then you would have to offer an animal for sacrifice. Um, it sounds weird, but that was the tradition. That, that's, it's diff weird for us. We don't do that when we come into our house of worship, but that's the way they did it. 
And, 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 and so uh, if you could afford it, you know, what a lot of people would save up for, they would, they would, they would buy the, the most pristine, blemish-free goat or lamb, right? And they would bring that to, to offer for sacrifice. If you, if you couldn't afford that, if you were poor, uh, you had the option of buying a dove. And this was normal. What isn't normal And what sets Jesus off is that during Passover, the temple priests, they allowed, you know, the the merchants and money changers, you know, to take advantage of the crowds by jacking up the prices. And see, this was big business for the temple, right? Remember, all the foreigners coming from hundreds of miles to worship God, like, they would have to, first thing they'd have to do is change their money. You ever go, like, overseas? Like, they had to change their money over to temple coins, right? And because the, the only coins, the temple coins, were the only coins acceptable to be used in the temple, the, the, the money changers would jack up the prices and the exchange rate, right? This is just a hustle. Some of y'all know, don't know nothing about that, all right? I can teach you after service, right? This is just a hustle, right? So they jack up the exchange rate, right? Like think of it like if you gave me $10, right, and I gave you a penny, Right? And I'd say, sorry, temple pennies are worth more than your Hamilton. Sorry, nothing you can do about it. And if you wanted to, then you'd have to pay the exchange rate. Second, they would jack up the prices on the animals. And there wasn't anything you could do about it. Like, how bad do you want to worship God today? How how bad do do you need to actually do what is required of you by Jewish law? How bad do you want to do it? All right, cool, you got to pay the price. How badly do you want the favor and the blessing of the Lord? How, how bad? They would jack up the price as high as they wanted, even on the doves, which were already for the poor who couldn't afford that. Super Bowl week, Passover festival week, and the temple priests, they're not stupid. It's time to make that money. And this is what was going on. And on top of all that, there's so many layers to this. I'm not going to get to all the layers today. Don't, don't, sorry. One of the other layers to this is the priest allowed this marketplace to be set up in an area of the temple called the Court of the Gentiles. What's so special about that? Why does that matter, John? See, this is the only area in the temple that was open to all people from all nations where they could come and pray and worship God. But now the court of Gentiles was wall-to-wall with vendors, making it impossible for non-Jews to actually spend any time in worship. The religious leaders, they had become corrupt. The worship practices had become corrupt. The only place of worship that was open to all people was now corrupted. That's why Jesus says, my temple should be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've turned it into a den of thieves you got to understand that Jesus wasn't angry about inflation, like uh, in general, right? In in Jesus' day, inflation was just a normal thing. High taxes was just a normal thing. Oppressive taxes was a normal thing. Jesus wasn't getting bent out of shape about that. Actually, quite quite the opposite. The Roman tax in Jesus' day was so oppressive to the Jewish people, like it would make our $5 gallon of gas like just look cheap. It was this level of extortion that that Jesus said, like, hey, just pay your taxes. In the midst of that, he said, pay your taxes. Show me that coin. Who's on that coin? Caesar? Okay, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Pay your taxes. 
And then he said, like, give to me, though, what is mine. So this isn't like a, oh, they were, they were overcharging. That's what made him mad. No, what made him mad is that the religious leaders were lining their pockets by making it hard for people to come into the presence of God. The thing that was put in place to, for people to have access to God, to bring their offerings, was now being corrupted and limited to only the elite. What have we corrupted? Like, what tables would Jesus flip in, in our lives? None of us are perfect. Fearless, moral inventory. <laughs> what things would need to be flipped? Like what was once good, but now we've turned them into something unhealthy? What talents or skill set do, do you have that you're now, it's now being used in an unhealthy way that needs to be cleared out and flipped so now it can be used for restoration and redemption and healing? What resources could we, you know, be used to bring about hope and healing to the nations but is currently being used for self-interest and self-promotion? The table being used, the temple being used for anything other than allowing people to draw closer to God infuriated Jesus. So he clears it out. He clears the temple. He stops the money flow. Boy, you know what happens when you mess with the money. Oh, them people get upset. Oh, the religious people, they get upset. Worrying about the money. Don't mess with the money. So what happened for Jesus? Oh, yeah, when the leading priests and religious leaders heard what Jesus had done, let's kill him. See, before all this, they didn't like Jesus, right? They wanted him gone. They wanted to discredit him. Oh, but messing with their wallet? Kill him. Jesus and Jesus' ways has a funny way of threatening people. Because he threatens what people look to for their security. He threatens their way of life. He threatens their comforts and, and their priorities. And this is for all people, all, all people, but especially to the elite and those who think that they are in control. It angers Jesus when he sees this corruption. It angers him when he sees that barriers are being thrown up instead of bridges. It angers him when his people are building their own kingdom and not his kingdom. It breaks his heart. Do the things that break God's heart break your heart? I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but sometimes I get pretty worked up. Uh, some people uh, like that. Ooh, I, I, I had this guy tell me uh, he has uh, his, it, it was his, his grandpa. Um, I think I'm getting the story right. It was either grandpa or dad. Uh, he's like in his 80s. Um, he's Catholic, still practicing. Um, but boy, every Sunday night, he tunes in if JT is watching. Like he just, he wants to watch that JT. He said, my dad just loves watching you. He said, you crazy. He's like, you get so fired up. He loves it. 
He loves it. Some people, they like that, get, getting all worked up and, and passionate. I got passion for, in spades. Some people don't like that. And that's okay. Cool. Yeah, I love you both. Jesus loves you more than me. Like, I, praise God. Like, it's cool. It's cool. I, I want you to know that, that, that when I get worked up, there's a reason behind that. Because the, the more and more that I settle in to leading this ministry, the more and more that I am overwhelmed and burdened with the hurt and suffering and brokenness that is all around us. And as Jesus followers, it's our job to do something about it. It's our job. The churches, the body of believers, it's, it's our job. It's not the government's job. It, it, it's not nonprofits' job. It's not social systems and institutions. It's, it's our job, our mandate to bring hope and healing to the world, to bring heaven to earth, to, 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 to bring healing where there is brokenness, hope where there is despair. The body of believers of Jesus Christ is the answer to the brokenness that we are surrounded by. This is the greatest time in human history to be a Christian. We have the answers to the questions that people are searching for. We have the solutions to the problems. We are the people who were designed to bring healing healing to the nations. So do I get up wor worked up? Yeah. Do I get worked up when I, when I see God's people more concerned about gas prices and what kind of preaching style and what kind of worship music is being played on Sunday more than I see God's people concerned about caring about the things that break God's heart? Yeah. Yeah, I get worked up. <laughs> I get worked up. I get worked up because my heart is broken. And then I get angry. And I want you, I want, I want to let you in on a little secret. I want you to get angry too. Yeah. I want you to get angry. I want you to get so worked up that you are propelled to action. So riled up with righteous anger. <laughs> I want you to be angry about those who don't have enough to eat or drink or enough clothes to wear. Those who are sick or dying, living and working on the streets. Those who are displaced. I want you to get angry about that. Why would I want you to do that? Why would you want that, Pastor John? Why would, why would you want? Because the king will turn to those on his left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me in. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And all these people will be like, Lord, when did we see you? When did we see you hungry or thirsty or naked or in prison and we didn't help you? And he'll answer, I tell you the truth. <laughs> when you refuse to help the least of these, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous will go into eternal life. Yeah, I want you to get angry. I want you to get angry about orphans and widows that are being abandoned. 
right? Because pure, genuine uh, religion, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. I want you to be angry about children that are put in harm's way because if anyone causes these little ones who trust me to fall into sin, it would be better for them to have a large millstone, a large boulder tied around their neck and for them to be drowned into the depths of the sea. Yeah, I want you to get angry. Anyone who's trying to mess with our next generation, I want you to get angry. I want you to be angry about religion becoming more important than relationship. Oh, you don't think Jesus cares about this? What sorrow? awaits you, you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You whitewashed tombs, you snakes, you brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? Those are Jesus's words, not mine. I want you to be angry about division in our communities because I want you to make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with with peace, for we are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. All of us, all of us who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. And since we have new clothes on, there is no longer male nor female. There's no longer slave nor <laughs> Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. I think we should try to all be one and not look at our differences, but try to be united in our communities, not caring for those in need. Amen. I want you to get angry. <laughs> Not caring about those in need, not caring for orphans and widows, women and children who were being abandoned and selling themselves to survive because they were never welcomed into the family of God, religion becoming more important than relationship, division between God's people. These are the things that are creating barriers between God and people, things that get in the way of people experiencing the goodness and mercy of God. This should make us angry. This should make us angry enough to clear the room, angry enough to to do something about it because righteous anger propels us to righteous action. Righteous anger propels us to be change agents of hope and healing to our broken world. I love it in verse 11 in Mark when Jesus says he stepped in and he took around, uh, looked around at everything. Right? He like got up in our business, looked under the looked under the bed, looked behind the curtains, got in the closet, y'all nasty. Looked in your nightstand, y'all filthy. What you doing with that? Keep your marriage healthy. I like that. Like what you doing? What you doing? What you got? I'm gonna look in your basement. I'm going to look in your storage, your crawl space. Where's your storage unit? Let me look around. What you got underneath here? You got anything good in there? You ain't got nothing good in there. Like, what you got? I'm inviting Jesus in to look at everything. I'm inviting him in as your pastor to look at all of our hearts. All of our hearts. All of our motives. Are they righteous? 
I'm inviting him in. I'm saying, Jesus, get in here. I do not want to be a leader of your church that is leading people in the wrong direction. I know what comes from that. So search my heart first and then search their hearts and convict us and compel us to repent and change, to make us new. I'm inviting him in to, to tear us into, tear into the unholy anger that riddles us and replace it with a righteous anger and a resolute nature to change and change the world around us, to search us, oh God, to know our hearts, to know our anxious thoughts, to point out anything that would offend you, God, and lead us along the path of everlasting life because his word promises that he will give us a new heart and a new spirit and he will remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. I want you to know that if you are a part of this whitewater ecosystem of the uh, TV land, online, in the room, like I'm praying that this over your life. Sorry, not sorry. I'm praying that Jesus steps in and looks around and starts clearing some things out. Listen, um, if you wrestle with anger and not the righteous kind, I want you to do three things starting today. There's no excuse to not do this after today. If, if you are a person who is choosing to follow Jesus. I want you to meditate on, on scripture, James 1.19. I want you to just memorize quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow. Say it with me. Quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow. No, really, say it with me. Those of you who aren't saying it, it's because you probably wrestle with this. Quick, slow, you don't like someone telling you what to do. Quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow. I ain't wrong because I wrestle with it too. I want you to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Meditate on that every day. Write it down. Put it in front of you on your mirror, on your car, at your workplace, at your desk, in your backpack. Quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow. I want you to get some, I want you to hire a professional for your mental health. Hire a professional. If it was anything else, you'd hire a, hire a professional. So break the stigma and take care of your dang mind because it's affecting your heart, which is affecting your life, which is affecting everyone around you. If it was a leaky roof or a flood in the basement, you'd hire a professional. Hire a professional. And the third thing is easy, but it's the, it's the thing we hate the most, exercise. Yeah, I said it. John, that's not a very scriptural, healthy thing. Why would you say exercise? I'm trying to be good today, y'all. When Jesus came, we'll talk about this in weeks to come. He tore the veil and, and, and the temple was destroyed so that no longer was there anything that separated us from God. Jesus came, and in his death and resurrection, he tore all the things that separated us from having access to God. And he said, now 
the place where the Holy Spirit, the presence of God lives is in each of you. That your body, you are the temple, the indwelling of the Spirit is now in each of you who claims Jesus as Christ. So do you think we should be taking care of God's house? But I really like them Doritos. Yo, that, yo, that three-way of Skyline got me like, whoa, right? Yeah, that's cool. Exercise. Because you got the Holy Spirit. You got God's house. And by the way, when you exercise, I'm going to say, if some of you like, just go for a walk. My gosh, that's as easy. Go for a walk. Others of you go for a run. Others of you do some other things, right? You do you, boo-boo, but do something because it releases endorphins, the feel-good drug, right? It makes you feel good. It relieves stress. It lowers your anger. It lowers. Here's how it's connected. It lowers anger by which it lowers the devil's ability to make a home in our hearts and minds. Three things you can do starting today. So, I am in this with you. <laughs> I have not figured this out. I am a work in progress as I get worked up. But I am inviting all of us to allow a boiling over, a rolling boil of holy discontent. To allow our hearts to be broken for the thing that breaks God's heart so that we are, as Paul writes, so that we are bound by the Spirit and compelled to go change the world.